Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. That is who we are. (laughs) (laughs) You like that one? Did not see that coming. (laughs) We are Matt and Courtney. We are Matt and me, the combined forces. Welcome to the continuation of season 10. (sighs) Whoa. Yeah. What if I I told you that next year will be six years of podcasting together? Wow. Wait, no, seven. Seven years. Even, even I've lost count. Wow. Oof. Crazy. It's a long time. How are you not sick of me yet? Oh, I've been married to you for eight, so. How are you not sick of me? I know. It's unbelievable. All right. So thank <laughs> you for joining us in our our marital life. I was going to say uh, marriage therapy. <laughs> marriage, marriage therapy. So season 10 does indeed kick on. And yes. we have what we think just ask us, is a pretty cool topic today, Courtney, which is how to lose weight without counting calories, Mm. which kind of sounds like clickbait shit. I mean, it might be shit, but it's not clickbait. No, no, we actually mean it. Um, And yes, the answer to the question is that we always get, can you lose weight without counting calories? The answer is yes. Or can you lose weight by counting calories? Yes, yeah, you can, but can you lose weight by not counting calories? Like yes. also a humongous. So the yes. answer to both questions is yes. Yeah, which does tend to trip a lot of people up when they find that out. Well, we're not speak go- to them. We're not going to sit here and say, "Oh, that doesn't work." Like, actually, how much more evidence do you need? It does yes, work. It, yes, it can work for certain types of people. Yes, yes, and Matt and I are not those certain types of people. I, I just. From a personal standpoint, I would rather focus my energy and my mental energy and focus into things that are a bit more productive yes. for me. My my mental stack isn't a fan of living and dying by numbers day to day. It's just does I don't find it get I don't, I don't find joy in that. We've often said, um, and I'll say it again, that we would prefer to do the least amount of work to get the best possible result. Now that, like, yeah, yes. like, I mean, oh, 100%. To quote someone that we know and love, I could not agree more. Like, why, to get a great result, why do more than you have to? Mm. Like, you've got a life to live. We've got a life to live. Like, Ideally. You know, well, yeah. So, we're not fans of adding mental gymnastics and stressing about things like numbers if you can get the same outcome by not doing those things. Yes. Like the path of least resistance, like sign me up for that, please. Mm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm always going to be a sort of person where I'm going to say like, hey, this, there is hard work involved with this. Like, of course there is. But I'm not going to ask you to do more than you have to. Mm. Like, where's, where's the fun in that? No. So we employ a method ourselves and have done for a long time now that you've learned about since we've met Courtney that I learned about not long before we met as well, and that every single client we've ever had or ever will have learns about too, a little thing we like to call calorie awareness. Yes, 
calorie awareness. And today we're going to talk about it and mm. we're going to teach you about it. So, Matt, why don't you kick us off? I will. So I want to start by saying that one of the main reasons that people continually fail with their weight loss goals, their health goals, their physique goals is because they don't learn about the reasons behind the choices and the food choices that they make on a daily basis. Mm. I think we can agree, Courtney, you and I, and you listening hopefully can agree too, that consistency and routine are vital to long-term sustainable weight loss. Like you think yourself, Courtney, with how far you've come? Yes. Like they've been make or break things for you? Yes. Yeah? I know they have been for me. Like I I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am without it, you know? And I know if, with where I am now, if you, if you take away my routine, like <laughs> it's going to be a bit of a struggle, mm. you know? But the thing is, I'm saying here consistency and routine and how vital they are to long-term successful weight loss. That doesn't mean that you have to do or have to eat the same bloody things every single day for the rest of your life because – Fuck that. Yes. Right? What it does mean, though, is making better choices so often that they become habit. Mm -hmm. And that's the key word here. And that's probably going to be the key word through this whole episode as well. You're making choices, better choices, so often they become habit, which is one of the keys to not needing to count calories. Mm. In fact, I probably would say that's probably the Maybe of all the things we'll be talking about here, that might be the biggest thing of all is how to live without having to count calories is if your, if your habits improve. Yes. So if improved choices, improved habits and improved choices or improved choices will lead to improved habits and improved habits will lead to improving your actions and improving the choices that you make when you are not feeling it, when you've you're lacking in motivation, yes, you know, to use not a not a term I'm particularly fond of, but pretty accurate. It works. Well, the thing is, let's be fair. Most of the time, like I would say, 90 percent of the time, like when people aren't motivated, like that's part of being human. Like I'll cop to that. Mm-hmm. Like yes, I don't I don't miss gym sessions. I don't skip meal prepping doesn't mean I feel motivated to do them all the time. Like most of the time I don't, Mm. you know, but if you're improving your habits, which then lead to improving your choices, that's how you can make good decisions even when you don't quite feel like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So on that question for you, how do you know if you've, if you've really improved your habits and your choices? Good question. The correct answer to that question is also a boring as batshit answer, which is a thing we like to call data collection. Not a glamorous phrase. And if you're listening to one of our clients, you've probably rolled your eyes at me saying that because you know, fuck, that is so boring. And he's also right. But data collection is the answer. But we're not talking about data collection in terms of 
counting calories because we're not doing that. It's a, well, it's a different form of data that we're collecting, which yeah. I will which I will dive into for us as we go through this. And the thing is, you tend to find people will do stupid, silly, crash diets and gimmicky bullshit because they haven't come close to mastering data collection. People in these situations tend to be the type of person, and I've been there, I know what this is like, where they're guessing at what they're doing and they're really hoping for the best. Mm. Or they might have a coach or a trainer or whatever who's telling them what to do, which, by the way, different to being taught what to do based on your situation. But anyway, they're being told what to do by someone else hoping that that person knows what they're doing. And the thing is, if you've got experience with this, you know what I'm talking about, where you might have signed up for a personal trainer or some sort of weight loss or health coach or whatever it might be, and you've been given the spreadsheet, you've been given the numbers, these are the numbers that you've got to hit each day. This is your calorie target, this is your macros target. And the thing is, this focus on the numbers comes at the expense of focusing on your habits. Because the reason a person is overweight and unhealthy and unhappy with themselves has very little to do with the actual numbers and a hell of a lot to do with their terrible shit habits. Mm. It, I, I, we all are. I, I was. I wasn't overweight because I, I was eating too many calories. I mean, yes, I was, but that wasn't the real issue. The issue was my habits were bloody terrible. As were yours, yes. Courtney. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. The thing is, if you're following a plan or a program, whatever it might be, and the focus is on the numbers and not your day-to-day, week-to-week habits and routines, you're missing a trick. Yeah. Because that's the real key to successful weight loss is improved habits and behaviors and choices and decision-making. Now, the thing is, if you're attempting to lose weight, improve your body shape, improve your body composition, you know, improve how you look, function, and feel, but you're not keeping track of what you're doing and you're not keeping track of what you're eating, honestly, you are just throwing shit at the wall and you're hoping it sticks. Yeah. This is what I've mentioned before about, Courtney, how do you know if you've improved your choices and your habits? Well, that's where data collection comes into it because data collection is accountability and accountability is data collection. Mm -hmm. They're one and the same, interchangeable terms. If you are honest and if you are accurate with, you know, recording what you do each day, so recording your exercise sessions, recording what you had for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, recording what your snacks were, if you're just making an attempt, an honest, accurate attempt, just to track what you do day to day, it's very easy to see where you can improve and where you have improved because you've got hard information. Mm. On this day or this week, I did this. Mm-hmm. And you might be able to do it long enough where you compare it to, say, three, four, five, six weeks later. Now, on this day and this week, I'm doing that. Where am I improving here? Oh, okay. 
I'm sleeping. I'm getting. I'm getting to bed earlier at night. I'm getting to bed half an hour earlier at night. Mm. It's there. It's it's a clear improvement. Well done. Or hey, I'm no longer skipping breakfast. Or oh, okay. I'm not backloading all my training sessions for the week into Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, hoping to get them all done before I get to Monday. I'm now spacing them out through the week in a more sustainable, doable routine. That's improvement. Yes, it is. The thing is, this is one of the main reasons of how we succeed without counting calories because if you are putting in some effort, and there is work involved with this, if you are putting in some effort just to track what you do, you'll learn more about yourself. Mm. You'll learn what you do well and what you maybe don't do so well. And by learning those areas, it's like, okay, well, here's where I have improved and here's where I can improve next, Mm -hmm. right? The thing is as well, if you are taking the time to do this, it'll also show you very, very clearly when a goal has been achieved. And I don't just necessarily mean an an outcome-based goal. Like if you set an outcome-based goal of, I want to lose a certain amount of dress sizes in 12 weeks, like either you have or you haven't. But I'm also talking about process-based goals. Like if someone, for example, has a goal of, I want to lose two dress sizes in 12 weeks, like, hey, that's great. What will you do to achieve that? Well, one of your goals should be, well, I'm going to be consistent with my exercise. Mm. Okay. If you're then tracking what you're doing and you have a goal of building consistency of hitting like, you know, 95% of my gym sessions each week, well, it's pretty easy to see if you have or you haven't because you're tracking it. If you're not tracking it, you're guessing it. Yes. And if you're guessing it, that's where it's just like, well, it's, it's open for interpretation. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, when you're not tracking, be it exercise, what you eat, what you drink, etc. from a food perspective, here's one of my favorite phrases, like this thing called portion distortion mm. comes into play. Because you're not going to remember what you had yesterday. No. You're not going to remember what you had this morning. If you have a busy life and... No doubt you listening have a busy life. We all do because that's part of adulting, as it turns out. Yes. Is like, you know, life comes at you pretty fast. Yeah. And there are honestly, there are days where if I haven't recorded what I've done and you ask me what I've had for breakfast, like I can give you a vague guesstimation, but I ain't giving you details. No. You know? So the thing is, though, when you're also recording what you're doing and tracking what you're doing, it allows you to analyze your strengths and weaknesses. Like I said before, what you do well and what you don't do well. You've got to be honest with this. Mm. And if you're not, like I said before, if you're not tracking, you're guessing, right? But if you are and you can analyze your strengths and your weaknesses, it allows you to set new targets. So on this, you know, four, eight, 10, 12 week block, I did this well, but on, my, on the next go around, I would like to improve in these areas, whatever that whatever they might be, you know? It also then allows you to aim for a high level of performance and for continued improvement. And that's one of the things I see successful clients that we have that really do well with this is because they are so diligent, is the word to use, diligent at recording what they're doing and tracking what they're doing, not counting the calories, but just tracking what they're doing they know where they can. They tell us before we tell them where they want, where they need to and want to improve next. Because they can just go back and look at what they've done and go, okay, I've done this well and this well and this well. But next time, I'd like to work on this, this, and this. 
great. Mm. We're with you. Let's go. Right? And the thing is, yes, this can be done and is done without focusing on the numbers, crunching your calories, your macros, those sort of mental gymnastics, not required. But we're not going to sit here and tell you, to be fair, we're not going to sit here and tell you that energy intake doesn't count. Like, oh, you know, no, nah, no, nah, calories in, calories out doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah, actually, it does. It does. We, we can't – law of thermodynamics. Like, yeah, we can't, it is what it is. Thank you very much. It is what it is. But it does not mean that you have to be a mathematician every day because, no, you don't. No. There is – there's another way. There's definitely another way. Yeah. So let's let's move on to how, like let's look at how a successful weight loss journey and program should work. Well, first and foremost, you should systematically construct a metabolism for permanent change. Like we've all heard that word, and it is a very complex process that is not within the scope of this simple podcast. But to keep things easy for you, your metabolism will determine how you look, function, and feel. Right? So a good program should work with your metabolism rather than against your metabolism. Now, a good program and a successful journey should also encourage you, keyword, encourage you to eat lots of delicious food rather than cut, restrict, avoid, or put labels on. Like, oh, that's bad for you. Oh, that's good for you. I'll be real about this. There's a time and place for every single type of food out there depending on a person's specific individual goals. Mm -hmm. There's no one-size-fits-all approach because even if you were to look at certain types of foods that you might say, oh, well, that's a good food. Here's an example. I'll bring you in on this one, Courtney. Brussels sprouts. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite vegetables, personally. I can't get enough of them. I've just grown to love them as I've as I've gotten older, especially the ones that that Courtney makes, the garlic oven roasted Brussels sprouts. Like, bro, like airlift them into my mouth. <laughs> like, let's go. Brussels sprouts are a nutritional superfood. How do they sit with you, Courtney? Not well. Explain. Uh, just in terms of my digestive system, my body does not digest them well. What happens? I get tummy pains, yep. I get indigestion, I get uh, constipation, bloated, yep. Are there any Very other, like IBS type symptoms. Are there any, uh, okay, fair. Are there any other sort of vegetables that have that effect on you? Um, uh, uh, Brussels sprouts fall within the cruciferous vegetable mm-hmm. uh, group. By the way, well done getting that word out in one take. Cruciferous. Cruciferous. Good job. Um, they fall in that group. Yep. And I can have other vegetables within that group like uh, broccoli and cauliflower. Yep. Broccolini. I just can't have too much of it uh, so I don't overload on those in in a dish, but I can have those. Um, but the ones that don't really don't agree with me are onion, garlic. Um, legumes. Legumes and beans. I stay clear of those as well. Yeah. So the point I'm making here is that this is where labels on foods can be so preposterous, a favourite word of ours this season, Courtney. Yes. Because what might work for one may not work for another. No. And a good program and a successful journey needs to take that individualization 
into account. Yes. Right? And that's where also, like, any time you've got a coach or a trainer or even especially worse, some horseshit fitness influencer on insert favorite social media platform here telling you to avoid certain foods or cut certain foods, they are full of shit. But also a good program and a successful journey should encourage you or should allow you, sorry, to remain in control of your nutritional intake without counting a single calorie. How? (laughs) Big million dollar question. How? What's the whole point of this episode? Through calorie awareness. Yes. So, yes, we, we are telling you you don't need to count calories. We're also going to tell you you don't need to be completely ignorant of what goes into your mouth because that's also not true. Yeah. So calorie awareness, okay, how is that different to calorie counting? Well, firstly, yes, having a general understanding of the amount of energy or caloric value in your foods will lead to better choices. However, I need to state, like, awareness is very different to just living by numbers. Because the thing is, a key point to consider is that not all calories are equal. And this is another key critical component of calorie awareness is the nutritional quality. Mm. And through creating awareness within yourself, that's where you discover there's no need to crunch the numbers. And I want you listening, take yourself through an exercise. I'll describe an exercise for you here. Take some time to nutritionally compare foods from opposite sides of the spectrum. Now, when I say opposite sides of the spectrum, I'm talking about processed, a real easy comparison. Processed junk food versus unprocessed real or whole foods right i mean i'll give you maybe a a a comedic example real extreme basic kind of example 42 almonds 42 almonds which i could eat in approximately 12 seconds yes is about 500 calories in 42 almonds which given the size of my hands my paws more like it is one one handful of almonds, is 500 calories. If I then contrast that into, say, strawberries, that's 140 individual strawberries. Good luck getting through that. Now, that's a bit of a a, a comical example. So I get a bit more serious here. Let's go to a restaurant. I won't name names, (laughs) okay? But it's a golden arch, a couple of golden arches. Let's say... An old favorite of mine, the bacon and egg McMuffin. Sorry, the bacon and egg muffin. I just outed them. Yeah. Right? Our bacon and egg McMuffin from our friends at the Golden Arches is 300 calories. Okay? Now, take that number and look at what could you make at home? What meal or meals can you make at home? That's also 300 calories. Then look at what you're getting inside that and the volume of food you're getting in real food. So if you were to make up a 300-calorie meal consisting of a lean protein source or two Mm -hmm. 
and lots of fruit, veg, and salad, it's actually more likely you'll have closer to two to three meals there alone for the energy price of one McMuffin that, for most of us, won't even touch the sides. Mm. Then you take the time to look at the nutritional value of the 300 calories in that McMuffin versus your home-cooked meal. And this is an exercise I do myself a lot, even now still, many, many years after learning all this. I love looking up nutritional information online of foods to see what goes, especially for me, ingredients lists. The ingredients lists tell you a lot. Mm. That The front of the packet doesn't tell you for the most part. The thing is doing, taking the time to do this exercise to take your favorite staple junk foods and then compare them to, say, other recipes you've got access to for, you know, for home-cooked meals that you make for yourself and then start to break down what the same energy value looks like in the real food and then what the nutritional value within that is going to be. And that's where ingredients lists come into it, things like that. Does that make sense? Yes. I'll just answer for everyone. <laughs> Well, the thing is, if you if you take the time to do this, yeah, you start to get an idea very very quickly of how honestly how easy it can be to overeat on processed shit, yeah, but also in contrast, how hard it is to overeat on real food because you will be way too full before you get to that stage. Hence, where the awareness comes in, and there's less, um, your your. You don't have to rely on counting those calories. Well, you, don't, you don't need to worry about crunching the numbers because yeah. you develop the skill through through just knowledge and also through your eyes. I call yes. it eyeballing things off to know that, well, hang on, that, that greasy burger there is going to load me up full of wasted energy and terrible nutrients yeah. and probably make me feel like shit versus making a homemade burger where I can control the ingredients, I know exactly what's going in, I know the cooking method, and I can probably have a bigger meal because I'm cutting out all the crap that goes into the junk food. Does that make sense? It does. And I think just quickly recapping on what you said before you went into your example, which is that not all calories are created equal. No, they're not. And it's it's the quality of the nutrition in the in the meal as well. It's the nutritional value of the meal. Yeah, it is. Which isn't just the calories, which I think sometimes is when people get stuck on counting calories. Well said. We spoke about earlier that it becomes labels and things like that, that you can really distort your way of looking at food because then it suddenly it becomes a situation of, okay, how do I fit foods into my day, into my calorie intake? And if we're not necessarily looking at how good nutritionally the food is we're just looking at the numbers and how to fit it into my day and i want to eat this particular dessert or i want to eat this today for lunch so i'm going to forego this at breakfast so we're not looking at how well we've planned out our day nutritionally and we're not looking at our metabolism we're more focusing on now not everyone that counts calories does this but a lot of people do Mm. and and I could definitely, if I was to do this, this is the way my brain would work. Yep. It's 
trying to fit what I want to eat within the day because it fits the numbers, not looking at my day nutritionally. And I think that that is a really good one that you pointed out before that example, Matt, which is we, it, the nutritional quality matters. Well, that's a phrase that we've been taught is the difference between calorie-dense, nutrient-sparse foods versus calorie-sparse, nutrient-dense foods. Mm. This is why not all calories are equal. Yes. You might, if you're... If you're living and dying by the numbers, you might go, oh, well, you know, 300 calories in a McMuffin is the same as 300 calories in a chicken stir fry. Buddy, not even fucking close. Not the same. Not (laughs) even close. Yeah. This is where you look at, like, in terms of creating this awareness, what do I get? What does the 300 calories in the McMuffin get me Versus 300 calories in the delicious homemade chicken stir fry with, you know, eight to nine different types of vegetables in there, and all the all the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, etc. that come in the vegetables and the protein, mm-hmm. versus the greasy muffin from Macca's. Yeah, like no, 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 no. They they they're very very different. Mm-hmm. The thing is. You know, this is this is why taking the time to do an exercise like this, and it sounds like a pain, trust me, it's not. Once you get good at this, you'll realize, like I, I'm saying now, you don't need to count calories ever again. Yeah. This is why it's not necessary because if your staple choices and your improved habits and your improved behaviors and improved choices over time become more real, for lack of a better word, real nutritious sources of like minimally processed or unprocessed foods, you are way too full long before you can overeat. Mm. I would encourage you, take some time to sit down and really compare your favorite fast food or your favorite takeout options to what you can achieve through real food or even fake away options for the same energy intake. Look at 300 or 500 or 700 calories worth of junk food and compare it to what you get for the same energy cost in real food and look at the serving size difference. Mm. You start to think to yourself, like, how the hell can I eat all that? Yes. This is how... You don't need to stress about, oh, well, I'm not counting the calories. What if, what if I eat too much? If your choice is, a real, is real food, like, buddy, good luck overeating on that. Take yeah. it from me. Good luck. Now, I'll go a step further with this, Courtney, if I can. It's the same thing with nutrition labels. Nutrition labels are so full of shit. At, well, nutrition labels aren't full of shit because the nutrition labels actually tell you the truth. The front of the packaging is often so full of shit. When you're talking about creating awareness and calorie awareness and looking at you know, nutritional value of foods and beverages and whatnot, watch out for the marketing fluff at the front of the package. Yes. Here's the thing. There's two sides to this, right? So the front of the package is what the marketing department wants you to know. Mm. The back of the package is the truth. Yes. Look at the ingredients lists. Look at the nutritional breakdowns. This is one thing I do 
because we we generally will share the grocery shopping duties between us, Courtney, you and I. Yes. I know for me, I still do it. I did this like last week. I just decided like, oh, hmm, it's a healthy packet pizza in the frozen section at the supermarket. Go look at the, like he says like, you know, X amount of protein, low carb, this, this and this and this, like four-star health rating. I then turn it over and look at the back, look at the ingredients list. I genuinely do not know two-thirds of the shit on that list. Yeah. Like, hang on. You're telling me this is healthy. Like, what's vegetable gum 407A? Yeah. What the fuck is that? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. No. No. I think the nutritional, looking at the ingredients list was, was massive for me when I started doing that. And one thing that I've spoken, we've spoken about on podcasts before, but one thing that was a game changer to me, which I never knew, mm. was that the nutritional labels, um, the ingredients list on the nutritional labels are written in order for how much of that ingredient is in yeah, the, the mo- product. The most amount to the least amount. Does that actually, did we speak about this? Does that still work for overseas as well? Do they do the same thing? I know I, it's definitely here in Australia. I know it definitely is here in Australia. I believe it is in the United States. Yeah, I thought it was. I, we did look it up. I, I, I believe it is in, you know, like, you know yeah. US, UK, I Canada. I think it's pretty universal, Australia. but obviously look that up in your in whatever country that you live in just to make sure. But definitely in most countries, I believe that's the case. So that was huge for me because once I understood that, it made reading ingredients lists a lot easier. Yep. I think then it's well as like looking at ingredients list in terms of, okay, what's in this ingredients list that I actually know what this is, as you just mentioned. Once you started getting into, you know, where it just says flavoring mm. and that has numbers next to that, it's like, well, well, what that's artificial flavoring because it's not real flavoring. And then you've got certain things that's like, what is that? Like, what is that actually ingredient? There are there are a couple of real key uh, nutrition label red flags that are worth bringing up here. Number one, if you can't pronounce the ingredient, beware. Yes. Number two, if you can pronounce the ingredient and still don't know what it is, yeah. beware. Yes. Start there. This is what I'm talking about with, with this exercise here as part of creating an awareness and learning more about this kind of thing is taking that time when you're at the supermarket because we, we all go shopping or if you're shopping online, you can do this online as well because I, I do this on the internet as well as in person at the supermarket. Yes. Take some time to just compare the nutritional information on two similar products and see what you notice. Mm-hmm. The two things to look at are going to be the ingredients lists and also the per 100 gram nutritional information. That's the apples to apples comparison. The problem with looking at things per serve is that the serving sizes will be different from product to product. Per 100 grams levels the playing field. Yes. That becomes real head to head. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that this is going to be an exciting thing for you to do. I personally find it exciting because I find it empowering. Yeah, and it's also interesting. Well, I find it interesting because it it gives me more knowledge to make better choices, and that's what I want to do. I'd rather, rather than stress about numbers, and you used a really good point before, Courtney, when not not everyone does this, but we like I've seen it a lot myself when we're stuck on like for example a calorie budget, 
you start robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm. Oh, well, I want to have, I want to hit the drink tonight and have a whole bunch of alcohol. So if I skip all these meals through the day, I can then have two liters of, of beer tonight. Like, how is that healthy? That's not a healthy approach, is it? No. And that's also how you can start to develop some pretty poor relationships with food. Yeah. Because you go, I can't have that. I think it's where you can also get sucked into thinking of food, as you mentioned earlier, in terms of labels, Mm. which is you're seeing food in terms of numbers, not actual nutrition. Yeah. And so you get away from looking at food as food. You get then used to looking at food as a as a bargaining tool or a trade off or even just a number, which is not healthy either. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It, I couldn't say it any better. Like you hit the nail on the head there. So I would encourage you as well as to do the exercise I mentioned above of comparing, you know, junk food to your favorite homemade recipes and whatever mm. from a calorie perspective. Take the next step after that and start to just compare nutritional labels. And just, just to recap there, the ingredients list and the per 100 grams, mm-hmm. they're the two things to compare the most. But also, you start to do this enough, you start to realize the amount of bullshit that appears on the front of certain packaged foods, like what it says versus what it actually is, is like, how is this legal? Yeah, ridiculous. How? How? You know, and there it is. They pretty much can put whatever they want on packaging, except for the word organic. I believe that's the only one that has an actual meaning behind it. I I think they have to be very careful with what they call organic. But other than that, even even that though, to be fair, the entire product doesn't have to be organic. It just has to be something within the ingredients list. So even that can be a little misleading. We'll talk more about that later in this later in this season. But I'm talking about Products where it might be like, oh, this product is is a low carb pizza, or yeah. a or a low carb beef and vegetable. Well, even roast. the word protein it, it implies that they've put extra protein in it or something like that. But they probably like they don't have to have like the fact that it's just got protein in it. I'll tell you something. That's I'll t- a, they can put it there. I'll tell you something. This that pizza example I used before of that that package pizza I found went out of the way on the front of the packaging to talk about how high protein this particular pizza is, the ingredients list showed the actual protein source was like the seventh thing on the ingredients list. Yeah, so. take Yeah. Yeah. Full of shit. Yeah. So the thing is, though, the whole point I'm getting at with this is for you listening, like, please take the time to make your choices with a a bit of objective analysis that will quickly, very quickly educate you on how you can make better choices and how you can make or how you can get more nutritional bang for your buck. Because taking the time to do that and to develop that skill is going to empower you and grow your confidence in the choices that you make, which will then allow you to focus on the things that really matter with this and with your goals, things like your habits. But also, to be fair frees up your your mental capacity for other areas of your life that quite frankly are more important than just, oh, how many calories do I have left today? Like fucking Yes. The thing is with this, you've got to think big picture. You gotta look at the forest, not the individual trees. Yes. Take the time to do these exercises. I can assure you you will not regret it. 
I agree. So in in wrapping this up, Matt, I think one of the questions that we get a lot is how will I know if I'm in deficit? Okay. Well, if your habits are improving, if you've got a consistent eating routine, eating pattern, and you're eating lots of good nutritious food regularly as staple foods in conjunction with a structured training program, how do you know you're in a deficit? Because your body is going to tell you yes. through your hunger cues, which will develop over time. An easy way to tell that you're in a deficit once you've got your training routine in place and once you're consistent with your meal prepping is your body tells you like, hey, I'm ready for more, buddy. I'm ready for more. Your body doesn't lie. No, it doesn't. When it comes to that. And the thing is as well, an easy thing to remember is that if your staple choices, keyword staple, as in the most the consistent choices you make day to day, are calorie sparse, nutrient dense foods, it's virtually impossible to overeat. Where unfortunately most of us, I know I was the same when I first started, our staple choices are calorie dense, nutrient sparse foods yes it's not like it's not just high in energy it's just wasted energy it's just shit yeah a lot of us in the industry call it junk calories or Mm -hmm. shit calories Mm -hmm. you know but that's how you can live a life beyond things like counting calories and macros is take the time to learn what's in the choices that you make now i'd like to also say a really good if you want a bit more on this, you've come to the right place. <laughs> yeah. We deliver. This is, this is why, what's my nickname, Courtney? The Postman. Because I deliver. Mm-hmm. We deliver. If you want a good visual on this and you'd like to sort of dive in a little bit more to get some good practical examples, I'd recommend, we'd recommend, take yourself through our free weight loss course that we've got in our app. Courtney, what's the name of our app? The Weight Loss Podcast. Unbelievable. I know. Really very original. <laughs> hey, if it works, you stick with it, right? Correct. So there's a course in our app that, w- that won't cost you a cent, a uh, free weight loss course that dives into more of the, what I've explained here today, what we've gone through, show you the visuals of what we're talking about to help you start to develop this skill. What I'll do, Courtney, to help out is I will put a link to where you can go to sign up for this. Yes. Get yourself in the app. Like I said before, it won't cost you a cent. will only cost you a little bit of your time, but I can assure you this will be time well spent. Yes. Go through the course. It's uh, six days worth of learning, only about you know five, ten minutes a day to learn. Check it out yep. because you will learn more about this skill and learn more about like how this can be applied to you. And for us, like this is what we do with ourselves and our clients all the time. Like it's just to us it's normal. Yeah. But I think that's also we can make the mistake of under appreciating where to us it's normal to say someone like yourself listening, this could be a game changer. Mm. Like it was for me when I first learned it, but now I've been doing it for so long, I don't think anything about it. Yeah. It's just what I do. You know? Yep. Wife, anything you want to add here? I don't think so. I think that that covers, covers it all. I've got a question for you. Yes. 
you've been since you and I met, like you've never had to count your calories. No. What's it done for you? Well, I mean, I I think when I was younger, I definitely thought that I would have had to count calories. Mm. I think the freedom came for me when I understood that calorie in versus calorie out is still going to be the rule regardless. Like, it still counts. It's just the rule. It still counts. And once you, I accepted that but understood that I didn't have to count the actual calories, that there was another way around it, it was freedom for me because I already knew that I had um, a poor relationship with food and I already knew I was doing bad behaviours that would be amplified in terms of um, – binge eating, so then cutting food out, but then binging, um, trading off activity for food. That's a big one. Um, so definitely things like that. So I already knew that I wasn't going to handle counting calories well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, it's just became the freedom of knowing that I can go out and, ch- and select food. I can just live day to day eating food that I want to eat that's still delicious and I could I could not have to count calories and I could learn to start not having to trade off food and not having to um, trade off activity. I think it's also the the whole approach behind it's also good because it can show you that you can really kick some ass at this without having to live by rules. Yeah. And sort of hem yourself in to, to rules. And there's actually there is actually one more tip I'd like to give if I could. Courtney, mm-hmm. before we wrap this one up, I know it. if you're the sort of person where you've lived and died by the calorie sword for a long time, this can be a hard thing to quit. Yeah. Here's what I would recommend doing. If, you, if you're working towards not counting your calories, here's what you should count in your food. Count your colours. Mm. Count how many colours are in your bowl Count how many colours are on your plate. The more numbers there, the more the fat burning potential of that meal. Definitely. What are your I thoughts like, on that? Yeah, I, I've always loved that as a as a rule in terms of making sure there's a lot of colour. I think once I found I got in the habit of doing that, I think that really helped because it really got me thinking outside the box in terms of okay, maybe I need to add something to this because it's looking very green or something like that. Um, I or think beige. It, yeah. I think it also got me thinking a lot more about fresh produce and things like that. Like I grew up on a lot of processed foods. Um, so it definitely got me thinking a little bit more in terms of like, okay, what sort of fresh, making sure I'm always trying to get fresh produce into my yeah. meals, things like that. I think probably is a good a good follow-up to this to this episode, it just popped into my head. If memory serves correct, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, pretty sure it was episode 87, Courtney, is why you should eat rainbows. Yeah. That that would be a I very, very... You. I can't believe you know that, though, in terms of, like, the actual... Yeah, but take, take into account how weird, for example, my sporting trivia knowledge is. Like, I can That's give you true. statistics from like, from, like, an NFL playoff game from, like, the mid-90s off the top of my head. Yeah. Like, it's I'm weird like that. But I do think that that particular episode of the show, episode 87, Why You Should Eat Rainbows, would probably be a good companion piece to this episode. And if you take yourself through the free weight loss course, yep. 
you'll start to get an idea of how how this can be done and why we're so passionate about it. I think that probably that probably does us here. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll finish on the whole. You know, don't count your calories, count your colours. Yep, I think it's a good one to finish on. All right, Courtney, tell us about the Facebook group. Facebook group is called the Weight Loss Podcast. So if you're not a member of the group, why? go join the group. Why not? What are you doing with yourself? Um, our email address is podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. We love feedback. We'd love to get your feedback yep. on this episode, uh, how you found this. Remember, at the end of this season, we're going to be doing a Q&A as well. So if you have any questions that you want answered, make sure you send them in. Also, potentially follow-up questions to what you hear through this season. Yeah. We don't, we don't do the Q&A episode until... We have to release yeah, it. Yeah, and don't don't feel like they have to be completely different questions. If you've got questions on any of the episodes from this season, send them in. We'll answer them in that as well. Let's be fair. We'll answer anything. Pretty much. Like we 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 think we know everything. We yeah. don't, but we'll answer anything. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for bearing with us. Hopefully you've gotten a lot out of this. If not, well, blame Matt. <laughs> always blame me. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com. 